Haters gonna hate. Haters are always gonna hate. And what happened today with President Trump going to a Fulton County jail and getting fingerprinted and his mugshot taken has been a delight for the foaming at the mouth TDS stage four left. We have the mugshot. We have the mugshot. Uh, Donald Trump went to Fulton County uh, to get arraigned today. That's his uh, fourth arraignment in just five months. This one's for interfering with the election in Georgia. I'm gonna give you other details, height, weight. Uh, but now, without further ado, Donald Trump's first mugshot. This is a long time coming. Look at that scout, he's such a goofball. I guarantee you he did that to try to look tough. It took us 234 years to get here. Uh, there's reason to believe it'll take another 234 before we see another mugshot of a former president of the United States. Uh, this, this is something that only Donald Trump was able to achieve with his presidency, to bring the presidency to this low point. He, he looks enraged. I mean, I, I think the, the look, the, what, what I see there, uh, there's a pathos to that look. Uh, there's an anger to that look. And, you know, Donald Trump has kind of thrived on the anger of a certain demographic of Americans who've decided the country's sort of leaning away from them and, and what they think is important and, you know, not prioritizing them and the, the things they value and care about. Um, he's like sort of embodying that. He's sort of the avatar for the rage that he has traded off of to become president in the first place. It is, that is not the, you know, sort of, funny reality show star that Americans elected in 2016. That's a, that is a sinister apparition that I'm seeing in front of me. President Trump's rage is real. Our rage is real. And if there's any sort of rage or anger in that mugshot, I think it's more than just him being indicted. It's him being indicted by the treasonous, traitorous rat bastards that stole the election in the first place. Let's get into today's episode. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive an inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. For America, this should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election. And I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows that I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. 
So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Thank you very much. That there is President Trump addressing the press very briefly after having his mug shot taken, posting bail with a local bondsman, and going to a jail in Fulton County on this fourth indictment that is a sham. Then he jumped on Trump Force One, and while he was on Trump Force One, he had an interview with Greg Kelly of Newsmax. I look at some of the other people. Now, I don't know a lot of those people. Uh, I don't even know that I've met a lot of those people, but some I do. And their lives are destroyed by these maniacs. These are animals. These are vicious animals that have destroyed the lives of these people. Supposedly, President Trump is a ringleader. He is a mafioso. He was leading an insurrection. And all these people were beholden to him as a leader, trying to hold on to power by questioning the election, trying to hold on to power. And he didn't even know a lot of these people. Supposedly, he's the one leading them. But also, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful and poetic that I believe this is the first interview that President Trump did after his taking his mugshot, posting bail, and being there for about half an hour was, was with Newsmax. Remember, one of, the, one of the things that Fannie Willis is saying that President Trump did wrong was telling people to watch Newsmax because they were talking about the stolen election. That's literally one of the things that they put in the indictment, that President Trump told people to watch Newsmax. And they just can't punish Trump. They have to punish other people as well that were trying to fight not for Trump, but for America, who Trump had been elected by to be president in 2020. And Greg, it's so sad. And they don't have a lot of money. And some of them did almost nothing. They don't even know what they're being charged for. I mean, I have counts where you're going to love this. Chris Ruddy will be thrilled. But one of the things is I told people, Newsmax. Did you know that? That was one of my counts. I told people to watch Newsmax. We love it, sir. We love it, uh, Mr. Telling people to watch Newsmax. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I, hope you, I hope you don't get charged. You'll probably get charged because I mentioned your name. So, uh, but I think you'll be okay. I think it's a badge of honor, quite frankly. And uh, let's see what happens. All right. So Greg Kelly now starts asking President Trump questions not just about what happened today, Thursday, with this sham fourth indictment and the first time a president has had his mugshot taken. Boy, have we fallen low. And then when, if they actually end up finding him guilty on one of these in- indictments, is going to be an even lower period of America. These bastards are destroying our country. As soon as we hit a low, they say, hell no, we got to go even lower than that. Greg Kelly sort of asked President Trump about the debate yesterday. From last night's debate, which was the first between the GOP candidates vying for the 2024 election nomination. Former Vice President Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Chris Christie ended the night with the most speaking time. Vivek Ramaswamy having a lot of that speaking time. Interesting. 
Greg Kelly is going to ask him an important question. So let me show you some clips from the debate last night so that you can better understand President Trump's answer. ABC's political director Rick Klein says the candidates brought up Trump far less than expected. Vivek Ramaswamy took a lot of the incoming that might have otherwise gone to Trump. He was the most stridently pro-Trump. And so some of the ways that you saw Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Chris Christie unload on Vivek Ramaswamy, it's almost like they were doing it to Donald Trump in, a, in, in his absence. Go. I'd like to sort of get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. Uh, Mr. President, uh, the debate last night, uh, I'm sure you caught at least some of it. Uh, did you see a potential vice president on that stage? Did you really see somebody who might be eligible? And overall, what'd you think? Well, first of all, I did a interview with Tucker Carlson, who's a terrific guy. And I don't know if you saw the number of views, but it was a record setting number. It was, they say it could be close to 300 by the time it finishes. And uh, right now it's up to, I think, 257 million. And it is bigger than the, you know, the biggest ever interview was Oprah with Michael Jackson. I don't know if you know that, but that was, that's the all-time biggest. And I think we've doubled it up. So something's going on. Our country is dying for a good country again. We're a failing nation. We're a failing country. And they're absolutely... You know, they're looking forward to getting back to what we had. I had the safest borders, the biggest tax cuts. We had everything was doing so well. Our military was great. Russia would have never happened with Ukraine. China would never be thinking about. You know, we had a country that people want to get back to. And that's why we had the numbers. Uh, As far as the sage last night, I thought uh, Vivek, as we say, did very well. Actually, his name is Vivek, like cake. But I thought he was very good. I especially like where I said I was the greatest president in his lifetime and long beyond. That's pretty good. I said, are you sure he's running against me? But I thought he was very good. Uh, So President Trump didn't answer the question, but we can kind of gather that if there was a contender for vice president on a Trump ticket for 2024 of the people that were on the stage, Vivek Ramaswamy would be the one. Now, let's go into, like I start off this episode with haters going to hate, let's get into Trump's biggest hater, who was also uh, hated on by many of the people in attendance at this first GOP primary debate in which the number one guy running for president, Donald John Trump, wasn't even present. I, I wasn't impressed with a lot. I mean, Christie got booed out of the room. He literally should have walked off the stage. <laughs> the funny thing is, Chris Christie was booed twice, from what I can see, maybe even more. I, I didn't watch the whole thing. He was booed twice. He was booed at the very beginning when he was being introduced. 
watch other people, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and others being introduced. And when they get to Chris Christie, the crowd is already booing him. Governor Ron DeSantis. Vice President Mike Pence. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. He got booed. <laughs> uh, we, we also remember, remember a couple weeks ago, he was giving a talk at one of the uh, conventions where everyone came in to talk, including President Trump. I think it was like the in Iowa pancake breakfast thing. I can't remember exactly what it was. Someone down below that has a better memory of this can put it down. But he was booed a few weeks ago as well for that. So he's on a roll here. He's on a roll. Now they asked which, uh, they asked all of them, all eight of them, if President Trump were lawfully found guilty of these indictments, if they would still support him, if he were to win the primary and be the representative for the Republican Party. And uh, Chris Christie did not take that pledge. And right after that, he starts to try to excuse uh, this by telling us the character of President Trump. And once again, opening, opening himself up to get booed, at least for the second time last night. And now whether or not whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, and, and you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. That, you know, I've been watching debates for a long time. I've never seen anyone booed like that. So also in this exchange between Greg Kelly of Newsmax and President Trump, they talk about some other people, Asa Hutchinson, Burgum. He goes uh, through many of the people there, but he doesn't mention the person who used to be number two behind President Trump. And of course, that's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, but, uh, uh, you haven't mentioned you know, pretty much. I, I thought I thought a lot of them were way off base. Sure. Uh, DeSantis, you haven't he's become less of a factor, but we'd like to play this for you. Uh, listen to this, if you don't mind. And I can tell you this as your president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. You don't take somebody like Fauci and coddle him. You bring Fauci in, you sit him down and you say, Anthony, you are fired. So I, I don't know if you could make that out. I think he's implying he said the word coddled. He seems to be accusing you of coddling Fauci. So let me tell you about Ron DeSantis, as I call him. Without me, he wouldn't be governor. He was failing desperately. He came to me, begged me for endorsement. I gave him the endorsement and he went up like a rocket ship. He was failing. He was already out of the campaign. He was being beaten badly by Adam Putnam, who was the agricultural commissioner. And then I had him pass a very hot candidate at the time, a very, very hot candidate at the time in the general election. But he wouldn't have even gotten a nomination. He was down by 35, 40, tremendous amount. And I will tell you that 
he loved Dr. Fauci. And I'll send you some articles tomorrow. He said, let's not uh, do anything. We don't have the approval of Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci. That's all he talked about is Dr. Fauci. This guy forgets history. Very interesting. Very interesting that we have seen Ron DeSantis come after President Trump on lockdowns, on vaccines, on listening to Dr. Fauci. Would you believe that CNN actually had a good segment in exposing Ron DeSantis on this and actually kind of defending Trump from these Ron DeSantis attacks having to do with Fauci and the lockdowns? Would you believe that CNN produced this next segment? Ron DeSantis is starting to attack former President Trump pretty regularly on the campaign trail. And one line of attack is about trusting Dr. Fauci. I think he did great for three years, but when he turned the country over to Fauci in March of 2020, that destroyed millions of people's lives. Well, tonight we have new reporting from CNN's K-File on how DeSantis has definitely changed his tune on Dr. Fauci. My panel is back. We're also joined by Andrew Kaczynski from the K-File. Okay, so tell us what you've found about what DeSantis used to say versus what he is saying today about Dr. Fauci. Yeah, that's right. There is some pandemic revisionism going on with these DeSantis attacks on Donald Trump. Now he is attacking Trump for praising Fauci. We've seen his campaign do that. We've seen that he said uh, that he turned the country over to Fauci. Now, DeSantis was praising Dr. Fauci at March and April of 2020 at the exact same time that Donald Trump was. Uh, DeSantis in Florida was citing Dr. Fauci's uh, guidance. I think he said he deferred to his judgment to put in place these policies that he's now referring to as lockdowns. Now, take a listen to this clip here uh, of DeSantis talking about Fauci uh, in March 2020. We chose freedom over Fauciism, and the state of Florida is better off as a result of doing that. From Dr. Burks to Dr. Fauci to the vice president, who's worked very hard, um, the Surgeon General, uh, they, they are really doing a good job. It's a tough, tough situation, but, but they're working hard. The other thing with the sanctums is, and you have to remember this, very disloyal guy, because you don't do that when somebody gets you elected, then you say, yes, I'd be proud to run against him. Oh, that's nice. But I'll tell you, he loved Fauci, but he also locked down the state. His beaches were locked down. His roads were locked down. His hope, you know, he's trying to pretend that none of this stuff happened. Now, if you look at somebody like McMaster, Henry McMaster from South Carolina, if you look at uh, Christy Nome of South Dakota, if you some of the Repub- they really didn't lock down. But Ron locked down Florida. I was there, and I can tell you. And he puts a pretend. He's got Fox behind him, although Fox has now given up on him entirely, I think. They're trying to find somebody else. Yeah, I mean, so basically nowadays on the campaign trail, he's um, acting as though Dr. Fauci was some sort of totalitarian who, you know, was forcing everybody into lockdown. But back then, I mean, you even found um, from that same speech, I believe, where he said that, that Dr. Fauci was really, really good and really, really helpful. So what changed? Florida was third in the nation in death. Now, that's a horrible scorecard. But Florida was third in death. He was a big believer in the vaccines. This guy had lines for miles of people getting vaccines. Now he pretends like, uh, oh, do you think about vaccines? I mean, he really does. I don't want to call people liars, but 
if you check his record, it's easy. I will send you stories on, he said, I'll do anything without the approval of Dr. Fauci. I mean, I have stories all over the place. And then eventually when it became uh, not a good thing to say that, all of a sudden he said, Dr. Fauci, who is that? And, you know, what's interesting about this is it's almost ironic in that Trump and DeSantis pretty much have the same position on the pandemic. Like, this is not some uh, investigative hit where we're going back 30 years. This was three years ago. We all remember this. Trump was calling in April and May to open up the country. Trump was attacking Dr. Fauci on Twitter. He was making statements in April of May of 2020. And who was one of the first governors to open up? Ron DeSantis. And then Donald Trump ended up praising him for it. So, you know, look, this guy is, uh, he's dropped like a rock. He's dropped like an ailing bird out of the sky. And uh, I think he's finished, but but he's very, very, uh, he's just somebody with a very short memory. So CNN exposing for Ron DeSantis, pretty much following Trump's lead when it came to the lockdowns. And I remember watching DeSantis bragging about how they had all the vaccines for older people. And him, I mean, the state was locked down, not as bad other places. You know, I think they did their 10 days or whatever to flatten the curve. And yeah, they were the first ones uh, to open up when President Trump was fighting the Fed saying, hey, let's just open up the economy again. Very, very interesting. All right, now I want to end with this last segment. I'm not a Trump apologist, though I am a Trumpster. I am MAGA, I am on the Trump train, but Trump is not perfect, and I disagree with him on some pretty key issues, like President Trump, as you can see, he's softened a little bit on the vaccine, but I wish he would just come out and say, hey, look, I was wrong about the vaccine. I thought we were going to get a legitimate vaccine. Uh, We got a bad vaccine here, folks. Here's something else that I totally disagree with President Trump on. And that is his support and his praise for the RNC and Ronald McDaniel, both of which are trying to undermine him, did not fight against a stolen election and are really backstabbing President Trump. I'll give you my analysis after playing you this next part. So the RNC kind of seems out to get you. I mean, listen, Fox, Fox is, uh, they've turned on you, not all of them, but most of them. And the RNC, uh, they've arranged two debates at Fox News. It seems like they, maybe they did that because they had the understanding that you might not be treated fairly over there on Fox News. What do you think of that? No, I think the RNC has been good to me. I, I really do. I mean, you know, they go with, uh, I think Ron is a very good person. We've gotten along for a long time. She ran my whole Michigan area when I won Michigan in 2016. I then did much better in 2020 than I did in 2016, but that's another story. But she ran Michigan and she won. And because of that, I was instrumental in getting her to head the RNC. She's very good. She's a very good person. Yeah, little Miss Romney is not a good person. I mean... They have spending scandals over at the RNC under her direction, misspending RNC money, and then not doing anything to actually help Trump win and undermining him. That is why I really wanted Harmeet Dillon to win. And I remember it was Harmeet Dillon, and we also had Mike Lindell that wanted to head the RNC. I haven't forgotten 
I don't want Ronna McDaniel. President Trump supported her. The swamp likes her. And now she's back there, unfortunately, yet again. A lot of the ways that we get people elected are outdated. We've been uh, insisting on same-day voting in many states where other opportunities are available. And as a result, Democrats are banking their votes for terrible candidates. Even though we have good turnout on Election Day, we still lose. This level of failure is not acceptable to any Republican I hear from outside the members of the RNC. We really need new leadership. And I would have loved to have seen Harmeet Dillon as that leader, fighting for President Trump and fighting for Republican voters. The RNC is just part of the Republican rhino swamp. But President Trump knows this, and I think he's just not trying to make any more or new enemies. Just let the RNC do what they're going to do, let the rhinos do what they're going to do, and perhaps President Trump is thinking, I can't read his mind, we'll deal with them in 2024. We need them right now because I'm going to win, and then they're going to be behind me. So why speak ill of the RNC? I need their support. Remember, the RNC was also paying many of these ridiculous lawsuits against President Trump, uh, paying his legal fees for what he did, uh, you know, for all these crazy things that were happening previously to these indictments uh, because he was president and they were covering uh, some of those uh, legal bills with him fighting uh, against the stolen election. So I think he just sees that they may have present use and it's not worth his energy, perhaps, right now to fight against the swamp RNC. But we'll see if that changes when he drains the swamp starting January 20th, 2025. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. 